0: Hi, I'm Adia Deputan, and welcome to Green Business Builders, a brand new podcast brought to you by the Royal Bank of Scotland. Over the series, I'll be chatting to a range of sustainable businesses working to tackle climate change, and they'll be sharing practical ways that businesses like yours could start to build a lower carbon future today. In this episode, our special guests will be talking about how they're driving sustainable change. Johnny Goldstone, Alison Robb, and Ollie Kunk. Thank you so much for coming today. Can we start off by all of you just telling me about yourselves and what you do in your businesses. Ali, why don't you yeah, start? Yeah,
1: sure. So I'm the Sustainability Director at Coop's. Uh, Coots is a wealth manager and private bank, over 327 years old.
0: It's a serious bank, isn't it? Like the oldest bank in the world yeah. or something like that? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, we've been around a very long time, but very much focused on the future. I think we're the first private bank to have a digital app, so we do try and pioneer change, but look after entrepreneurs, high net worths across lots of industries.
0: I'm really fascinated to find out more about what you're doing on the greenness side and sustainability. We'll get into that in a minute. Okay. But Johnny, tell us about yourself.
2: I founded Green Tomato Cars just over 15 years ago. We are London's only sustainable private hire operator. So minicab, taxi, chauffeur drive. And we set up the business to show that commercial success and sustainability could be
0: linked together. That is really interesting, especially when you talk about 15 years ago. You know, you guys were ahead of the curve. Oli? I run service for OpenReach,
3: part of the BT group. And we essentially run broadband for most of the country. There's only two networks in the country. So whoever you buy from Sky or Vodafone or BT, we're running the network. And it's my team of about 20,000 engineers who run, maintain, and service the broadband networks across
0: the whole of the country. And I guess the last year and a half must have been a busy time for you with more people working from home. It's been absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's been from the moment of
3: lockdown started.
0: Wow. Johnny, let me start with you. Tell me, why start up a sustainable car company? I mean, it's hard enough to break into that sort of industry in London, but you've done it the tough way.
2: No, it's a great question. And in fact, we started up Green Tomato Cars Not because we were desperate to get into the private hire industry, but because we wanted to start a business that could demonstrate that sustainable businesses could be commercially viable. So it was a question of finding a sector, finding an industry that we thought we could deliver on that goal. We wanted to show that you could be sustainable, but also have a brand that wasn't exclusive and that from a price point didn't entail a premium just because you wanted to be green. And so actually we thought that taxis and private hire was a great way of doing that. But back then, sustainability had quite a stigma. It was either seen as being very elitist and exclusive or very low quality. You know, the idea that you'd have these trousers made of hemp and they'd sort of fall apart in the rain, which is nobody's friend. And we wanted to show that none of that actually had to be an issue. It was all about giving people an easy solution to solve a problem, whether they really cared about it or not without having to do anything differently. So it was getting a green tomato car instead of, you know, Jim and Bob's taxi. You're going to go from A to B, but you're just going to do it more sustainably with us.
0: What was the response from other car companies? Well, so
2: the big competitor at the time, and this is a pre-Uber Time sort of laughed at us. They didn't take us seriously. They didn't even take climate change seriously, actually. They saw the tomatoes on the car and thought, well, corporate clients are never going to want to get in a car that's got tomatoes. And fortunately for us, they completely missed the point. We're now the second biggest operator in London. And sustainability, when we started, nobody would ask how many hybrid vehicles you have. Nowadays, if you want to get a contract with a big corporate, Almost the first question is what percentage of your fleet is sustainable? How many zero emission cars have you got? And if you've only got diesels, like some of our competitors, you're not going to get your foot in the door at
0: all. Exactly. Change the game. Ollie, talking about the corporate side of things, tell me what are OpenReach doing to make the business greener?
3: The big thing for us is our fleet. We run about 27,000 vehicles, you know, vans, big vans, specialist vehicles, company cars. It's a big fleet and it's currently the biggest polluting part of our business. Mm. So we are going to change that. We started it at pace. We've got about 550 electric vans, But we're now committed to completely going electric or hydrogen potentially by 2030 and to get a third of our fleet there by 2025. But lots of things to do to get
0: there. So when you get your fibre installed on your road or around your house, that open reach van that comes, it'll be electric?
3: Eventually it will be. yet yeah, not today. There'll be a few of them out there servicing our customers today. But yeah, we're moving at some pace to try to do it. Mm. It's just a challenge here with things like charging points to people's homes, charging points in the public, the range, even the weight, you know, just getting an electric van that can take all our tools and kits and ladders and still have a decent range up the hills of Scotland is, is can be quite challenging at the moment.
0: Ali, you deal with some very high net worth people in your bank. Tell me about your clients and how you're helping them become greener?
1: Well, for Green Mobility, we've actually been working with Octopus Energy. So alongside NatWest Group, looking at how we can encourage our clients to look at their charging infrastructure, both for SMEs, so for businesses, looking at infrastructure for increasing their electric cars or moving to an electric fleet, but also for some of our individual clients and customers, looking at how we might be able to provide them with a charging point at home to encourage them to move to electric cars and just making that easier. So the partnership with Octopus basically gives reduced rates to both individual customers and commercial customers.
0: So you're facilitating it, making things easier, giving them a nudge as well.
1: Exactly, making things easier, making it cheaper, which hopefully will encourage them to have a think about it.
0: And do you think sustainability matters to people when you're at that level of wealth?
1: Yes, I think it's definitely increasing. I think the wealthy are now really starting to think about it and they've got the means to change as well. And also they spend a lot. So their footprint does tend to be a lot higher than an average person. So it's really important for them. And I think we're starting to see a lot of interest in this area.
0: Johnny, what infrastructures and laws should governments commit to implementing to facilitate a shift towards cleaner mobility?
2: So government role in all of this is really interesting because obviously everywhere around the world has a government of some form and different countries we're seeing are doing things very differently. And I think the biggest challenge for governments is to do things in the right order more than actually what they do. So, for example, in Scandinavia, if you're looking at clean mobility, what they did was they developed the infrastructure for charging electric vehicles, massively overcommitted And then they said to people, right, if you're going to get a non-electric vehicle, we're going to hammer you on your taxes, because there's no excuse not to. Now, unfortunately, in some other countries, one not a million miles away from where we are today, you have less commitment to
0: infrastructure. So, basically, plan for the future. A greener future is here and start laying down the infrastructure. Plan it properly, roll things out in the right order,
2: because you've got to make it easy for people to do things. People want to do the right thing, but it's got to be easy for them.
1: I think we need to rethink transport. I think gone are the days of people having two cars at home or one car at home, especially in cities like London. Cycling is, you know, incredibly important. That is really, you know, zero carbon. Uh, Whereas even electric cars, there is still some footprint. You're looking
0: at Johnny and telling him cycling is the way forward, you know.
1: And I
2: totally agree seriously that would be our ultimate achievement would be that our business becomes redundant because people can get around sustainably
1: so if you cycle as much as possible people will still always need to make some journeys that they can't make on a bike or walking and that's where not having your own car but using a service like yours is also much more sustainable than every single person in the uk owning a car that isn't a sustainable way of living
3: I mean, the government's role fundamentally has got to be to create the environment where people will make decisions, right? You know, I've got to go and buy 27,000 of these things over the next few years. We will go and buy them. And it is not easy. You know, even now, you still have to take a bit of a punt, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I go to the board and discuss, you know, we're going to go and buy only electric vehicles. And they go, really? They cost quite a lot more, don't they? go, don't worry, it'll be cheaper in the long run, it'll all be fine. But you're taking a bit of a risk on electricity prices, on the charging infrastructure, for example, lots of people don't have driveways. Yeah. So me giving someone an electric van, they haven't got a driveway, well, where are they going to charge it? So the government has to find the policies to make it easy. My personal concern is there's a lot of talk. There's not a lot of action. They've put targets in place, 2030, 2040, you know, lots of great targets, very, very ambitious. We will stop selling diesel, petrol cars after 2030, great. But the steps to get there
0: are not clear or certain it's a serious point you make because you know 2030 is not just a political deadline, it's a deadline for the world, so we do have to get it right. As our brilliant guests can testify, businesses of all shapes and sizes are coming together to reduce their carbon footprint, including the Royal Bank of Scotland too. They believe that a small action today can be felt for decades to come. Whether that's their continued support of climate-focused businesses, the target to be net carbon zero by 2025, or being a lead sponsor of COP26, the UN's climate change summit taking place in Glasgow. To find out more about the Royal Bank of Scotland's involvement in this year's summit, search for the Royal Bank of Scotland COP26. Now, let's carry on with the show. Oli, how our businesses like OpenReach meeting the consumer's need to become sustainable?
3: Yeah, well, it's quite a big challenge. The networks that people connect on are pretty old. Copper, aluminium networks, right, that sit under the streets. So what we are doing is essentially replacing it all with glass fibre and you know, creating a brand new broadband network across the country which has got almost limitless capability for speeds and for connectivity because essentially it's using the speed of light right rather than electricity but that means we've got to get a glass fiber to every single property business and also every potentially other endpoints you know, every single traffic light every single sluice gate everything you can think of that's connected needs to be connected which is a Big old challenge, and we're piling into it and going as fast as we can to do that. And that will help a lot of technologies. It will help people work from home, so reducing commuting journeys. It will help people connect to other businesses across the world. Yeah, everything you've been doing for the past year on Zoom and Teams is all connected via ours or other networks like ours.
1: How long is it going to take to do that across the UK?
3: Well, <laughs> we're, we're pretty ambitious. So we've just announced that we're increasing our target to 25 million homes by
0: 2026. And that is going to be hard, yeah. We're working, plumbing hard on it at the moment. I mean, it feels to me like we are on a cusp of really exciting times to achieve this greener and sustainable world. It makes me feel like we're in the times when the railways or the underground was being built in the UK. We're trying to lay these foundations for these new systems. I mean, we describe it as a once in a generation or two
3: generations changed I think yeah, post-Brexit, post-Covid, the UK is going to need it, right? <laughs> it's going yeah. to need the investment to get to go into it.
1: I think post-Covid, people have really realised, you know, this is important. We need to focus yeah. on it. Yeah. This isn't just a one-stop, look at it for a few years. This is the way that life needs to be. And I think most businesses are now really taking this seriously. 15 years ago, it much ahead of the curve, but people are catching up.
0: So maybe a question to all of you is, if you're someone setting up an SME today... Can they survive if they do not have sustainability as part of their ethos?
1: I really don't think so. But people don't need to think of it as a separate activity or, you know, a separate team as such. It's so important to integrate it into exactly what you do in a similar way to what you did at Green Tomato. But it should be core to the business.
2: Otherwise, you won't survive. And I think as well, somebody who's going to be of the mindset to set up a business I think if you ask the question the other way around and why would you set up a business that wasn't sustainable, I think you'd really struggle to find somebody who wanted to set up a business but didn't want to do it sustainably now. I think that it's sort of part and parcel now of how we think, hopefully, business culture as well as personal culture.
1: Yeah, it's doing the right thing. It's not just thinking about maximising profit for your shareholders. It's about all your stakeholders. So how you can support the community, your environmental footprint as well, the people that work for you, your customers. It's a much broader view, which is what sustainability means, sort of environmental, social, governance, really the core components. I mean, this
0: is all warming the cockles of my soul, <laughs> hearing all of this. <laughs> and another question for all of you. Can you give these businesses practical advice? Yeah,
3: I would say don't see it as a separate activity. See it as the day-to-day choices you make anyway, who you buy from, how you sell, what packaging you're using, what van you're going to buy next. Make that decision with green in mind, right, with net zero in mind. I think they starts to call it the circular economy now. You design from the beginning net zero into what you do rather than do it later. And the only thing I think you've got to think about within that is commercially, does it work for you? So electric vehicles are a good example if you just go out and buy an electric vehicle today to run your business on, say, a small shop and you're doing some deliveries, it's going to cost you more up front, right? Long term, it won't do. Now, that might be fine for a company like ours because we spend a lot of capital anyway and we can invest that up front. That might not be great for a small business, but can you find a way to fund it differently? Can you lease it rather than buy it? Can you change the way you act in order to make sure it commercially it works for you? So for me, it's about changing the decisions you make now And designing them in from the beginning, that's what I would say.
0: Future-proof your... your Future-proof
3: it.
2: For businesses setting up, sustainability is a massive opportunity. It's not something you have to do, it's something you should want to do and that will make your business better. So whether that's how you're sourcing product and supply or how you're offering your services out... To be sustainable has to give you a competitive advantage. Mm. And the converse is true. If your business is not inherently sustainable, then you're going to be massively reducing your customer opportunity straight away. And you, Ellie?
1: A few things. So one, educate yourself. There is no excuse not to understand what you should be looking at. Second... Do a sort of an impact assessment or a materiality assessment for your business. Where, What are the most important areas for you to be looking at? So climate is obviously critical, I would say, and it should be a big focus for your business. But what part of your business you do need to look at most? For example, if you're a delivery business, then probably how you deliver the items is pretty critical and what the packaging is made up of. If you're a mortgage business, it's your financed emissions. So every business will have a different impact. And knowing what impact is the most important or where you can have the biggest impact on that part so it's a mindset change isn't it
0: in everything you do with your business always seeing sustainability as part of it as part of the fabric yeah
1: but also prioritizing areas to focus on especially a bigger business you can't always look at the entire end to end but you need to start somewhere so pick where you think you'll have the biggest impact and focus on that bit first targeted I
0: like that as an athlete that's what we do I just want to talk about your companies. Tell me about your journey towards sustainability. Where are you now and where do you see yourselves in maybe five, 10 years' time?
1: Five years ago, it wasn't a big focus for the business more broadly. We definitely were involved in lots of community activities, community initiatives. We supported charities, but environmental and climate wasn't that big a focus. So that's been where we've really shifted in recent years. So set up a sustainability team around two and a half years ago now, and we have been making a lot of progress. So we're on the way to become a B Corp. That's a sort of external verification. You'll know lots of businesses that are B Corps, uh, Patagonia, The Guardian, Jamie Oliver. It's a pretty gruelling process, if I'm honest. It's taken a long time. You have to answer around 250 questions. They're pretty complex, all from your supply chain to how you treat your people to how you're set up, uh, your governance, uh, your emissions. So it's really broad. But it's an external verification to show what you care about. And so we've been really focusing on that.
0: And where do you see yourselves in five, in five years', years time? time?
1: A leading B Corp, really galvanising the community of B Corps. So there are about 500 in the UK. Sort of push business to be a force for good and help all of our clients who have businesses consider that and be the number one asset manager for responsible investing.
2: And I guess when you think about banking and sustainability, actually they couldn't be more inherently linked because it's all about protecting future worth and future investment. So if the planet's not there and the companies that people are investing aren't there, then it's a miserable exactly. failure. So And
1: all, all our clients, you know, they care about their families and the next generation and how to look after them. So they want to know that we're investing their money in a way that means that their children can then enjoy it. And, you know, their children are here in a world that they want to enjoy as well.
2: And Johnny? So we started out with the mission of emitting the least pollution as possible, getting people from A to B. And now that has evolved into being zero emission as soon as possible, which for us, in terms of all our fleet, all our saloon fleet, by the end of this year, 2021, we will have zero emission tailpipe saloon fleet. That's an Uh, impressive goal. That's a big goal. And in five years' time, it's very difficult to know where we'll be because... Transport, automotive is changing so fast in terms of technology, in terms of regulation, in terms of the fact that society is making it much easier to cycle around. But we would expect green tomato cars to be in a position of very much leading the field in zero emission Transportation and whatever is connected to transportation, whether that's in terms of remote working or who knows what avenues that might go down, Mm. because our customers are fantastically loyal to us and I think believe in what we're doing. But if their requirement for our current service is going to vary over time, which I think inevitably it will do, then we need to make sure that we continue to offer them something that's relevant to them into the future.
0: And Ollie, tell us about
3: OpenReach. I think the next stages for us, OpenReach, and the group actually, is how you get into the behavioural side of it. So the supply chain bits where you've got thousands of suppliers that you've got to figure out, the behaviours of engineers, the behaviours of us. So we supply Sky as well. And you go to Sky's offices in West London you can't get a plastic bottle, right? You can't get a reusable cup. They give you a, a mug, which I've got to say, when you're walking to a meeting room, it's quite dangerous for me. It's a hot cup of tea, but it's a, <laughs> it's a real sign that actually they are changing behaviours as well. And you're looked at. If you bring in a plastic bottle, people look at you like you've done something wrong. That, for me, is changing cultures. We can make the big decisions now, electrify the fleet, you know, buy electricity differently. We can do that stuff, and we are doing. But I think how our people behave, you know, 30,000 people in, in OpenMitch, 100,000 people in BT Group, how they behave... I think it's going to be the next phase. In five years' time, I think we would have liked to have built and have most customers running on the cleanest, safest network that's been built in the cleanest, safest way. That's what we're trying to achieve across the whole of the country and have beaten all
0: our competition to it.
3: (laughs) Human behaviour hasn't changed yet. I'm still competitive.
0: Guys, this has been brilliant. But before we finish, I'd just like to get your hopes for the future.
2: I'm feeling hopeful. I think generationally... Younger than myself and also at the senior end of business decisions, people are now aware that we have to take action and serious action and that the cost of not taking action is going to be so much greater than the cost of doing something about it.
1: I am worried about the pace of change. You know, we're seeing temperatures rise quicker than we thought. And if we don't meet the targets that we need to, if we thought COVID was bad, it's going to be a lot worse. And the response that we saw to, you know, creating the vaccines to combat COVID, incredible. People really rallied, people worked together and we saw an amazing response. We need to do that for climate because if we don't work together, if we don't work at pace, then we're going to be in some serious trouble, I think. But I'm hopeful businesses are really now trying to focus on this. I think, you know, Know, there are innovators there are people who can create ways to fix the challenges that we have and so definitely optimistic
0: yeah smes are the engine yeah. of british society and if we can have cleaner more sustainable engine running our society then yeah the future is bright thanks for tuning in to this episode of green business builders and to our guests johnny goldstone Alison rob and ollie kunk I've definitely learned a lot more about cleaner mobility and you should now have some valuable takeaways to start applying to your business. The Royal Bank of Scotland aims to help you start moving towards your dream green business today. For more support, simply search the Royal Bank of Scotland Green Business Hub for practical articles, videos and more. Don't forget to join us on the next episode where I'll be talking to Francis Beer from the Bees Wax Wraps Company and Jamie Crummy from Too Good To Go about the radical steps they're taking to lower their carbon emissions. Until next time.